1: Welcome to the Kind Parenting Company
2: Podcast. I'm Jackie Ward. And I'm Kylie Camps. Join us as we explore topics and share evidence-based information, all while honoring our commitment to kind parenting practices. This is a safe space for conversation
1: and reflections on parenting and motherhood, designed to best support you in raising your little loves and to be the parent you want to be.
2: We are so excited that you're here. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This week I'm joined by Sarah Belitho from Secure Foundations. I've invited Sarah to come in and chat with me about Boundaries. Boundaries is one of those topics I think sometimes that everyone uh, agrees that needs to be put in place, but sometimes we struggle with actually understanding and practically implementing boundaries in our own lives, whether that comes to the boundaries we set with our children, but also the boundaries we put in place for ourselves. I think this is such an important conversation, and I am so thrilled that to have Sarah joining me today. As a bit of an introduction before I hand over to Sarah, um, Sarah's business is called Secure Foundations, and she is super passionate about supporting children and their families in the early ages, so probably in the nought to five, six, seven age group of life. Sarah is a parenting coach and a therapeutic play therapist. So we'll talk a bit more about her work too, Uh, but she is the perfect person to have this conversation with because she is literally living and breathing it every day in her personal and professional life. So welcome, Sarah.
1: Thank you for having me, Jackie.
2: (laughs) It is so great to have you in to chat about this, but before we dive into talking about boundaries, let's hear a bit more about you. Can you tell us a bit more about who you are and and what you're about in the world?
1: Yeah. So my name's Sarah Belitho. I'm the founder of a business called Secure Foundations. Um, An ex-child protection social worker, um, did a whole range of jobs working in the child protection system in the Northern Territory, from case managing kids in out-of-home care to supporting foster carers to doing investigations, and relocated down to sunny Perth with my family. Um, nearly four years ago and founded Secure Foundations to help parents with evidence-based practical tips and strategies that they can use to start to enjoy the early years that little bit more because I feel like we know parenting's hard and I've never heard a parent say, this is really easy. We We know it's hard. But often I think it doesn't need to be that hard. And so I'm really passionate about breaking down expectation gaps in what children are capable of, helping parents to understand developmentally where their kids are at and what they're capable of, and then giving tips and strategies to help them to, to yeah, just enjoy those early years that bit more with a bit more mm. connection and cooperation. Mm, I love that. And I think actually having followed you now
2: for a while on Instagram, <laughs> I think that might be your your superpower is the ability to break down um obviously you have a a deep understanding of child development and and how everything is progressing and working for them but your ability to break that down in a way that's really digestible but also um really relatable as well like I love your your um, reels and your videos and all of the content that you share because it makes it it makes so much sense so I really like that approach to your work as well thank you Yeah, and can you tell us a bit about your work as a play therapist? I know that's something you're also studying as well, Mm. pursuing, um, you know, study in. So can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Yeah, so still I've got one semester left of the placement (sighs) and it feels like it's been such a long four years of (sighs) – slogging it out in online learning and that's almost coming to an end now. So future secure foundations will be incorporating much more therapeutic work directly with children and families. Mm -hmm. Um, so play therapy is an evidence-based developmentally appropriate modality of working with children to help them to make sense of their world and their feelings and their, um, inside and outside behaviors. Mm -hmm. Um, through the therapeutic modality of play. So Amazing. yeah, it's been magic. It's been so wonderful. So this semester I've just finished a term working with a handful of children doing what we call non-directive child-centered play therapy, Okay, um, which has been like my first kind of real window into that particular modality of working with children. And it's just it's been magic. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I can see. I mean, it's tricky for everyone listening, um, but I'm sure you can hear it in Sarah's voice, but literally I can see you light up talking about this. And I think um, when people find their, their thing, whatever it is they're meant to be doing, that's the response you get. So it's, it's evident how much you love that, which is really cool. And look, is there anything, is there any better approach to working with children, whether they're children, you know, from a clinical population that are needing support or, you know, just the, what, um, another of our colleagues, Sarah, calls the um, the general middle and that would be sort of the the general population. I think that, yeah, regardless of, of what the presentation is, that there really is no better approach than this play-focused therapy. So um, I yeah. love that and I can't wait to talk a bit more about that. But what I've invited you in today, of course, is to talk all about boundaries. So is this something that comes up when you work with your clients, whether it's in your your group coaching, your sorry, membership group or your individual private clients? Does this come up a lot? All the time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> all the time. It's It's almost every conversation. There has to be some kind of conversation about boundaries. And like you alluded to just before, sometimes it's yes, actually the kids don't have enough boundaries and we need to start there. Mm -hmm. And other times it's about actually unpacking why the parent finds the boundaries difficult Mm. Mm. and and trying to actually help them to understand that setting boundaries for yourself and for your children is the highest act of love. Like, I truly, truly believe that, like that to set a boundary is the most loving thing that you can do for yourself and for your children and also is one of the hardest things to do.
2: Absolutely, I feel that. I love that. What you just said. I'm just going to re, re um, state that. <laughs> boundaries are the highest act of love. I feel like that needs to be made into a bumper sticker for parents and handed out. So let's start there. Yeah, <laughs> let's start there. Maybe let's take a step back. So for parents um, of young children, or mm-hmm. uh, new parents, or even parent, we have people listen to this podcast. Who, podcast, sorry, who aren't even yet parents but are planning to be. Mm. What are we talking about when we're talking yeah. boundaries?
1: So, I think about a boundary as something that you, as a measure of what you are willing to accept, whether that's okay. a behavior, whether that's an action, whether that's doing something for yourself or doing something for somebody else. What are you prepared? To, like, what do you, what will you expect and what will you accept? What's acceptable to you? Mm-hmm. So, I think about in terms of, I set boundaries around how I'm prepared to be spoken to i will set boundaries about what behavior I'm prepared to accept from my children, I'll set boundaries around, um, what I expect when people come to my house, you know, mm-hmm. I expect that you let me know before you turn up maybe as an example. So I think about a boundary is what am I prepared to accept and what do, what are my expectations of others and myself?
2: Mm. Mm. So when you explain it that way, it's, I think it's valuable because highly likely that setting boundaries is actually something that we're doing and perhaps maybe not even aware of it. So if we look at life outside of parenting, mm. it's a sort of a required part of human nature if we're not just going to let ourselves be pulled every which way at others demands that we're we're competent in setting these types of boundaries. Mm. So before we jump into talking about setting boundaries for our children and the support that offers them, let's focus a bit on self boundaries. Mm-hmm. So often I hear of parents, caregivers, um, and I will say a lot of mothers, in my experience, it's been mothers that report this, feeling like they are just run dry, as mm. in they're, they're, you know, pulled every which way every day, often through the night as well. Yeah. Um, and they're feeling, really burnt out which can often sort of the natural consequence of that is feeling really resentful as Mm, well yeah just say that uh, a lack of boundaries is sometimes implicated in that
1: yeah I think so and I think it also comes back down to um quite often a lack of open communication so we think oh you know well I have to just do it otherwise it's not going to get done
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and is that a conversation that you've had? Has your partner, co-parent, friend, mother-in-law, whoever said, no, I'm not going to help you. Or is that an assumption that you've made and therefore continue to suffer because of that assumption? Is that if, if it's not a boundary issue, is it a communication issue? Okay. I, I feel like it has to be one or the other.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think sometimes we assume it's about, or we don't assume, but we, we could automatically think, oh, that's a boundary issue, but perhaps mm. the communication piece should have come first. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that was established or, yeah, investigated properly, then mm-hmm. maybe the boundary issue, you'd find it wasn't an issue if you were yeah. just speaking up. So what are some tips then for people listening to this that think, mm, yeah, I've, I definitely have a bit of a a need to work on this area?
1: Mm. I think, you know, you know, you need to set a boundary when you have that internal experience, when you have that like kind of yucky feeling in your tummy or you're resentful or you're finding yourself feeling really annoyed really quickly, really often about the Mm -hmm. same thing. Okay. I feel like your body will tell you where your boundaries need to be set. Yeah. And I think often actually just taking that little bit of time to work out what's happening in your body and to actually realise that it's giving you signals and it's trying to communicate something to you about where you need to set that boundary. Mm-hmm. And that might be exactly that, like, oh, I feel like I have been up in the middle of the night multiple times every single night for the last however many years I've been parenting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm resentful because every time I get out, of, this isn't my experience, but as an example, every time I get out of bed, I'm, you know, my husband's still fast asleep and he's snoring. I'm resentful. So that's an indicator to me that I need to have some kind of communication to say, hey, I've been getting up in the middle of the night, every night. Is there a chance that you might be able to get up for the next few nights? You know, mm-hmm. maybe that's not an option. Maybe that's, you know, maybe there needs to be a different solution to that problem. But if we don't communicate that, we'll never know.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So starting with communication, then having these discussions, thinking about our own needs. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, tapping into, to being really aware of our own needs is probably the starting point for setting boundaries as well. Um, And
1: I think about values as well. Like how often do we consider what our values are? What, what, what's important to me? What, do I love to do? What did I love to do before I had children and what have I stopped making time for? Yes. Um, what, what, what is one thing that I'm going to make non-negotiable yes. because it lights me up?
2: I love that. I love that. I think that is so important um, in particularly the early years of parenthood. I, I mean, I'm yeah. not—I'm in that stage myself, so maybe it's just as relevant as children get older. But I can definitely talk to this phase of parenthood um, mm. that that is just so crucial and so often glossed over um, with mm. the day-to-day demands. Mm. So, Sarah, let's say we've we've thought about uh, values. We've we've had conversations, and and it, now we're looking at actually setting and enforcing boundaries for our own well-being um, and in our own life. For a parent that that doesn't come easily to, that struggles, or perhaps they've fallen into a pattern of over-accommodating, taking everything on, but they're looking to claw back a little bit of that, mm-hmm. how do we begin?
1: Let's start really, really small. Okay. Like I often think about, you know, that we're starting a brand new habit for a lot of people and I actually have a um, a reparenting course that I go into this quite, I wasn't actually going to mention that, but we go into that in quite a lot of detail um, mm-hmm. because a lot of our self-worth, our overachieving, our lack of boundary setting has stemmed from our early childhood experiences of how we watched our parents set boundaries or what was expected of us as children. So maybe as children we were never allowed to relax. There was always jobs to be doing. There was always things to be doing. Perhaps it was that um, the focus was always on grades and not on effort. So now we're high achievers or now we're overachievers. Like where, where does it stem from? Where does that difficulty kind of yeah. come from? And I think gaining some awareness of that and then making a commitment to changing that story to say, you you know, that was my history, but it doesn't have to be my presence and it doesn't have to be my future. I can change that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the beauty of that, of that neuroplasticity, but that is hard work. And I think starting small to give yourself that confidence and to have those small wins is really important. You you wouldn't put on a pair of trainers tomorrow and go run a marathon if you've never ran before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's exactly the same. If you're struggling with setting boundaries around yourself, don't go and book yourself a weekend away. You know, like it's <laughs> it's too big.
2: Yeah, I can imagine. It sounds great in theory, but when you get there, you'll be spiraling. <laughs> so, yeah, yes. when you get there,
1: you're just wondering what the kids are doing.
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. So, what are some like? Let's get super practical. What are mm-hmm. some suggestions for for starting small that that we can be implementing?
1: Yep. So I think about things like getting up 10 minutes before anybody else in the house wakes up. Yep. So that first 10 minutes in the house is quiet and you might be able to have a drink of some description before, you know, getting bashed in the head with a grow clock and a four-year-old screaming (laughs) screaming at you that the clock's yellow, you know, much nicer way to start the day to wake up 10 minutes before they do. Some other things that I think are really great is to leave mobile phones out of the bedroom as an example. Mm. So you're not lying in bed, scrolling the internet for the last 10 minutes before you fall asleep. Um, a 10 minute guided meditation, perhaps. Um, one thing that I, another thing that I, um, have made a commitment to myself a long time ago is to never do what I can do when the kids are awake whilst they're napping. So when the kids are napping, I'll never prep dinner. I never wash dishes. I don't do cleaning. I don't do anything that I could do when they're awake. So I use that nap time for me. That might be a 20-minute workout. It might be a little yoga flow. It might be literally just sitting on my phone. It might be reading a book, yeah. something that allows me that time to decompress.
2: Oh, I love this example because I will put my hand up and say I am well, – my kids don't nap in the day anymore. But when yeah. they did, I was very guilty of this. I'd think, mm. right, here we go, a solid – Solid 90-minute block where I can, you know, do all those things you mentioned. I'm guilty of every single one of those. Prepping dinner, cleaning the house, Mm. um, even, you know, preempting needs for the next day, ironing uniforms and whatnot. And that is a fast track to feeling very cranky when your child Mm. wakes up yeah, because you feel like, oh, there it goes, there goes my little window and and now it's gone. But that was a choice and this is something we were talking about pre- pressing the record button here mm. the difference between recognizing choices and should do's so maybe yep. let's can we touch on that fill us in yeah. fill everyone in on what you were sharing with me
1: for sure so i i often as i often do have these musings and thinking about after jackie sent me the topic for this conversation thinking about boundaries and one of the reasons that boundaries become so difficult is because as a society and as mothers, I think we are so attached to so many ideas of what we should be and who we should be and what we should be doing, that all of these should, should, should labels that we carry around and we take on impact the decisions that we make and ultimately make it difficult for us to set boundaries. So as an example, um, you know, all the kids are asleep, I should do all of these things because that would make me a great stay-at-home mum you know i i should have the house spotless because that would make me a great wife i should um i should be doing a workout and not just sitting here scrolling my phone but when you actually realize that all of the things that you do is a choice you can flip the script on that so oh you know you could notice that thought i should be doing the dishes instead i'm sitting here so actually I've made a choice to sit here and not do the dishes and therefore I don't feel guilty for that decision because I've made it for a reason. Perhaps mm. my body's telling me that I need to rest. Perhaps I just don't want to do the dishes right now. Um, another example might be, you know, oh, I I should be staying at home for longer and not putting the kids into childcare. And you can flip the script on that and say, actually work's really important to me. I love what I do for work. It lights me up. And when I go to work and put my kids in childcare, I'm a better parent when I pick them up.
2: Yes. Yes. If I can just share, I'll never forget once with my own therapist when I was working with her, she made this comment to me. She goes, well, Jackie, it sounds like to me, like you're just shooting all over yourself. And I thought, (laughs) yes, I am. And so, yeah, I am. And it needed someone to call that out in me, um, for me mm. to actually ponder that. And we did this exercise and maybe this would be useful to share where we listed out all the the shoulds and then touching on thinking back to what you've said, Sarah, if we actually look at all of those in concrete, I think it helps to write it down to, to mm. ponder it if you're that way inclined. Um, how many of those things do you actually believe to be true for yourself? And how many things are Um, shoulds that you've just absorbed, whether that's from other people in your life or society influencing you or just, you know, preconceived ideas that you've taken on and adopted to be yours, but they don't actually sit as truth with you. No, no. And I think um, when it comes to boundaries, this can be a bit of a rub when you know if we're struggling to put boundaries in place or, or finding that really difficult it comes back to the fact that we're perhaps not aligning well the shoulds aren't aligning with our, our true values as well or there's work that needs to be done there. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's why yeah. I think it's really important to come back to those values and to understand how you came to the decision that you came to. Yeah. So for sure, some people will will make decisions. For you know, maybe it's financial reasons, or maybe it's um, social reasons, or you know, reasons beyond a choice that we would make had we had no other stuff yes. going on. Yes, yeah. Um, if that makes sense, and so it's not always a choice that we would necessarily make in a perfect world, but you know, we don't live in perfect worlds, and so I think we have to come to the realization that we've. Made the best decision with the resources we've got at the time that we made that decision.
0: Hold up.
2: Yes. And an awareness of that, I think really helps with our self-compassion as well. You know, mm-hmm. we're all doing the best we can at the time with what we've got. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So yeah, I really, really think that's valuable to think about. Okay. So there's there's a lot of food for thought there. And like you touched on, this is big work. This is not mm-hmm. something you're going to sit down and have a little journal session on and come out the other side and think, oh yeah, ready to go. Gonna this is that. likely to be work that you engage in in some sort of other program, I think that can be really helpful, like the reparenting one you offer mm-hmm. um, or with a, you know, one-to-one support if that suits you better personally. But, yeah, it's,
1: it's ongoing
2: work. But mm-hmm. definitely um, food for thought to ponder Absolutely. today.
1: And I think if you've never set a boundary before or like you're you're, you're notoriously light on with your boundaries, mm-hmm. find somebody that you have the safest relationship with. Hmm to start and set a boundary with first. That might be like a best friend that you've had from childhood and your first boundary might be I'm I'm not available to answer the phone call today. Or it might be that they've invited you out and the answer is not a big hard no, whereas you'd normally say yes. So I think st- start with that safest person to, mm. to start building confidence.
2: Mm, such good advice, yeah. Um, okay, so flipping then now to talking about boundaries with our children. And of course, it's all interrelated, you know, perhaps um, as we're talking about this, it's going to sort of trigger thoughts about our own boundary setting for us personally too. But from my experience, it can be tricky to set boundaries with our kids too, right?
1: Yeah, I think I think so. And I think that people expect that you set a boundary and the kids go, oh yeah, great. I didn't <laughs> want to do the thing that I was doing anyway. You're like, no worries, I'll (laughs) listen to that. But the reality is that we set a boundary and we often get a lot of pushback from that. There might be tantrums, there might be screaming and shouting. And I think the most important thing to understand about setting a boundary is that when you've set a boundary, your responsibility ends there. You can't also be responsible for how those boundaries are received. Okay. Okay. So, Yeah. So you set the boundary and you're responsible for setting a boundary. You're responsible for the way that you communicate that boundary and you're responsible for maintaining that boundary. But you can't also be responsible for how that other person receives your boundary. So you can't be responsible for whether or not they are happy and delighted by your boundary or whether they are angry, frustrated, disappointed, cross, enter Mm -hmm. all of the emotions that – kids feel in a single moment sometimes you can't also be adults who have been faced with a boundary set against them that they don't like (laughs) yep absolutely and that as well Mm. so we can't also be responsible for how that boundary is received and i think once we get to understanding that they do become a little bit easier so and when i so you know say for example I don't know. Say, for example, your kid wants ice cream for breakfast. And we set that boundary and say, ice cream's not an option for breakfast today. We might make a plan for ice cream later, but the options for breakfast are whatever the options for breakfast are. That kid's entitled to be upset about that. It's okay for them to continue to request ice cream for breakfast, but it doesn't mean that we have to meet that request. So we can still meet them with empathy. We can still meet them with validation. We can still meet them with acceptance of all that they are and all that they feel in that moment without shifting our boundary and without being responsible for them feeling cross.
2: Mm. I feel like that is such a light bulb moment in parenting to realise that, like how freeing to say, It's okay. We're not. This doesn't need to play out like you said, where boundaries mm. set, child obliges, everybody skips off into the distance. No, it, it's very unlikely that will happen. Mm. So just ex- even anticipating that, I feel mm-hmm. like it puts us on the front foot with all of this.
1: Mm-hmm. But Sarah, and, for the parent, who, oh sorry, you go. I was just going to say, the more you do that, and the more your children come to expect that, the less intense, the less frequent, and the less long in duration those emotional responses will be as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it's also really important to understand that boundaries actually give kids containment and they they need containment in order to feel anchored, in order to feel safe and in order to feel secure. When we say, and this is, I mentioned earlier, like setting a boundary with children is the highest act of love because it says to them, I love you so much that I'm prepared to go through the difficult moments with you around these boundaries. Mm -hmm. So I think we set boundaries for health reasons, for development reasons, and for safety reasons. Mm
0: -hmm. So when
1: I understand that my job as a parent is to make sure that my kids are safe, to make sure that they develop well, and to make sure that they stay healthy, Setting boundaries comes from a place of love. And I say to them, I'm so prepared to keep you safe and well that I'm prepared to go through these hard moments with you. I'm committed to what I say. I will do what I say and I say what I what I say what I'm about to do. Yeah. And when we give kids that containment, how can that not feel safe? Yeah.
2: Yes. And I think, you know, we know children ache for that safety. Mm -hmm. And what can happen, even though um, it can feel easier sometimes Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. moment to give in, let it pass, you know, let them have the ice cream, for example.
1: And there's a time and place for that as well, I think. That's the thing. We're
2: humans. Like you said, there'll there'll be exceptions. There'll be some days where the wheels are well and truly falling off in every direction and and there's got to be a a margin for flexibility here. But, But repeatedly what actually happens, I think, and, often people don't always understand is that the child that isn't given that safe container will then become really disorganized in the sense that they have to set their own containers or or Mm -hmm. push boundaries and and that leads to a whole different trajectory of problems then as well so it truly is an act of of love to do this I love that you've um, spelled it out so beautifully in that (laughs) way so for the parent though that finds finds this tricky which you know mm. is completely understandable and I think many would un- put their hand up and say yeah this is difficult stuff in the moment mm. can you give us some tips where you've you've set your boundary and then it's all breaking loose in front of you for the parent mm. that finds that particularly challenging what can they be doing in that moment to to keep it together
1: yeah something that i see a lot about at the minute is, oh, you have to be calm. A calm parent makes for a calm child and you need to be calm. And parents listening to this, I'm sure will be saying, but how the freak do you do that? Because it's not calming. It's very stressful to be in the, in the middle of a a child having a huge tantrum or telling you that they hate you or screaming and shouting at you that you're not their best friend anymore and that they don't want to play with you ever again. And you know, all of (laughs) it, I I can't be calm in that moment. And I can't even pretend to be calm in that moment because inside I'm really stressed. So I think the most important thing is not about trying to, to not about trying to commit yourself to being calm in the face of stress But commit yourself to staying connected to your body and staying connected to self in order for your reactions to kind of stay low. You lose connection to yourself and that's when you border on reactive. That's when you will start trying to control children. That's when you will start trying to just make it all stop because that stress has just completely taken over. Whereas I think if you can stay connected to yourself and notice that you're finding this really difficult and if you are finding yourself not being able to stay present for that, go and take a few seconds, walk away, go and get a drink, go and splash your face with some cold water, whatever it is that you need to do to be able to get connected back to your body Mm -hmm. and then help them to connect back to themselves as well. So it might be, you know, just putting words to the experience and just literally saying what you see. You know, it might be, take the ice cream example, the kid's having a big tantrum on the floor. Oh, you really wanted the ice cream. You're really letting me know that that ice cream looked really good. Oh, you so wish you could have that ice cream. And, and we're literally doing nothing other than stating a fact. mm mm-hmm. We're not going to give them that ice cream, but what we're communicating to them is, I get it. I hear you. Completely understand. Totally. This experience that you're having makes so much sense because you wanted that thing so bad. You don't have the impulse control. You don't have the delayed gratification. You don't have the patience. You don't particularly like to be controlled. You want what you want, and that's how you're letting me know in the best way that you can. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I think that is so, so helpful because they, like you say, they are, Such stressful moments. So to have that as a tool in your own parenting toolbox to come back to Mm -hmm. for those tricky moments and to know that it will pass and Mm -hmm. hold strong, you know, on on the boundary you've set, but holding strong doesn't mean that we need to be, we're still on the same team as our child and, and still there with them connecting in the moment and getting through that particular storm. And I love what you said not long ago where you said that the more we practise this, the easier it gets. Yeah. And the less perhaps explosive these, these interactions are going to be um, from your child's side as and well. I so think that's-
1: those kids that push and push and push and push are the mm. ones that need that containment the most. Because mm. Mm. there will be parents listening to this that
2: say, yeah, but my child is so tenacious, like they will yeah. not give it up. Yeah. So for those, and and I've seen that and experienced that for the children mm-hmm. that, that cannot let it go, that become, yeah. you know, that keep coming back to it. Even I've yeah. one of my little boys is particularly tenacious. Um, yeah. He will come back to it later in the day like, oh, remember you said no ice mm-hmm. cream? Is it still no ice cream if we're running yeah. with that example? Yeah. So for those ones, so you you believe that's a case that those are the children almost testing those boundaries because They're they need it the, the
1: most? They need it the most and they possibly continue to push when the parents absorb their feelings. And this is going okay. a little bit deep now, but if a if a child sense that you're w child senses that you're wobbly, they'll continue they'll continue to, to test until you wobble over. Okay. Um and so I think sometimes that really kind of anchored and i communicate i think about communicating boundaries as well like the attitude that i like to think about when i communicate boundaries is nonchalant like i'm okay. not i'm not overly emotional about it i'm i'm not trying to rationalize my decision i'm not trying to reason with them it's not a bargaining tool it's it's just so matter of fact it, it's yeah. it's sunny outside today there's no ice cream for breakfast today like it's so nonchalant that mm-hmm. That I'm so sure in my decision that I'm not wobbly, Mm. and and I have a relentless four year old as well who will often just continue to ask the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, Mm -hmm. and my response to him is often, oh, sounds like you really want me to change my mind. Ah. I'm not going to change my mind. The answer's the same. And he's kind of even calling it out like that. Yeah. Yeah. Once it's received, the fact that it's not changing. He relaxes. He's like, okay, cool, get it. Yes. But he he will he's like a little Jack Russell at your ankles and he'll just keep going and going and going. (laughs) And when you finally say to him like finally call out what you think he's trying to do, yeah. He's like, Oh, all right, yeah, get it. And then he'll go and find something else to do. So setting that boundary actually gives him the freedom to let go. It gives him the freedom to get unstuck from what he's trying to pursue. If he thinks there's, if he thinks there's a chance that I'm going to change my mind, he's going to stay stuck in that idea.
2: Yes. What a gift too, because I mean, they don't enjoy being stuck in that cycle and that, that need and that like aching that's going on inside them. So what a gift to actually close the door on it Mm -hmm. um, so that he can then move on, park it, And move on. You know, I've seen that meme that comes up on Facebook sometimes and it says um, something along the lines of, you know, when I say no, what my children hear is, interesting idea, let's start negotiations. (laughs) And I think parents can relate to that. Um, And look, maybe there's been a history where it has been, um, you know, a start for negotiations. And in that Mm. case, it's kind of understandable that children would think, because that's the pattern they've been Mm -hmm. taught. And if that's the case, no guilt no blame or shame mm. on parents for that no We're all doing the best we could at the time as you said with the skills we had yeah. but it's never too late to start to set a new pattern and introduce yeah. a new way of handling these things so do and not I think be we could
1: injured. communicate that to children as well to say hey you know in times gone by I've changed my mind quite a bit and I've decided that that's not working for this family and I'm not going to keep changing my mind anymore mm. and I and there's two beautiful things that happen when we do this. One, we help children to make sense of the changing experience. Yes. And two, we make a commitment to ourselves. Yes. As well. Yes. Oh, I've said it out loud now. I'm going to commit, you know, so we yes. kind of give ourselves that self-commitment. And I think that's another beautiful thing that comes out of explaining to children that things are actually going to be a little bit different around here
2: yes yes and i think that really really honors this connected parenting approach too where we're showing up we're saying mm, maybe in the past and i i'd no longer want to operate in that way but that's okay because i'm real and i'm your mom or mm-hmm. your carer whatever you are and i'm showing up here with a commitment to you and yeah. to changing this so I, I really really love that approach that really resonates with me mm. thank you for sharing that Okay. Well, I feel like that has given a lot of practical um, strategy and, you know, as well as the information understanding why this is so important. So thank you for sharing all of your experience and and knowledge around that. Um, Sarah, one thing I like to ask all of our guests when they come on and maybe I'll ask you the same thing. Could you share with us if there's been a book that you've read that's either changed you or your life or your work
1: in some really meaningful way? Oh, so many books. So many books. Um, one of the smallest, most beautiful books, um, and it's a play therapy book, Dibs in Search of Self. Okay. I haven't heard of that. It's quite little. It's about a little boy's, um, journey through play therapy. And it really just encapsulates the whole power of the modality. So, Gibbs is a little boy who is uh, who has elective mutism.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Comes from quite an affluent family, um quite well-to-do parents who work a lot. I won't spoil it for you because it's just it's a beautiful beautiful book. Mm-hmm. Um and it just it just journeys with him through his play therapy and you get to this real insight into therapeutic modality but also this little boy's life and 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 what I think is so beautiful about I've read lots of books and selective mutism is something that I just find fascinating um Mm. and lots of children often come from quite awful backgrounds and go mute as a coping mechanism as I'm sure you probably have understanding around but that's not his experience and his parents on the surface of things seem to be really great and be doing this really great job. They're quite affluent and they have all of the things, um, but nobody sees him for him. And so he goes into play therapy and gets seen for like, for all that he is and all that he brings. And there's no pressure for him to speak and there's no pressure for him to be or to do anything other than, what he wants to do and who he is, and I don't know. It's magic. It's a beautiful sounds book. Beautiful sounds
2: beautiful. I will link to that in case anyone is interested too. Absolutely. It's always interesting. But after I speak to um, anyone that's sort of in this field, um, inevitably we always get a lot of messages, and I'm sure people want to connect with you. So I'll share your details too, because um, they find this fascinating. You know yeah. this this line of work, and they say, oh. I- some people say, I didn't even know that that was a potential career option. And how do I get into this? So stay tuned. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening to this that are equally um, intrigued and fascinated by the work you do as well, Sarah. So thank you. I'll link to that book. Um, So speaking of that, where can people find you and connect with you? Uh,
1: So I'm most active on my Instagram at Secure Foundations website Mm securefoundations.com.au. And if you want to um, flick me an email, you can find me at sarah at securefoundations.com.au. Fantastic. And I'll include include all
2: of that information in the show notes if anyone is listening to this on the go and unable to write it down. I noticed too on your website when I was um, having a look through there that you offer a whole lot of um, great information and details of all your courses and workshops and offerings um but you also have a free calm kids guide is that still the case when people yep. subscribe yeah so I, yep. f- I feel like that would be beneficial for anyone listening to this and interested in this topic too can jump over and check it out Thanks. For having me. all right sarah thank you so much for your time this has been such a great discussion i've really loved it so thank you so much for being here thank you for having me Thanks for joining me and listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you've enjoyed this content and are looking to dive deeper into the support that The Kind Parenting Company offers parents and caregivers, you will love the range of programs we have available. The range includes online programs for supporting baby and toddler sleep, most suitable for babies aged 0 to 24 months, and also Toddler Life, which is a guide for those raising children aged 2 to 4 years. Each program comes with access to video and audio files, as well as the opportunity to join the community forums. Podcast listeners receive 20% off all programs. Simply visit the Kind Parenting Company website and use the code KPCPODCAST20, that's KPCPODCAST20 at checkout.